0: Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from parts of Genesis 1 and 2. If you have a Bible, we would love for you to follow along with us. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. Please feel free to grab one off the tables in the vestibule on your way out. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Now skipping down to chapter 2, verse 5. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground, and then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now skipping down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. This is the Lord, the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Well, again, good morning and welcome to the Olathe Campus of Christ Community. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here with, with you uh, this morning. And some of you are probably thinking, man, this is week four in Genesis, and we're just barely crossing into chapter two. There's 50 chapters in Genesis. We're going to be here forever. Uh, you, might, you might be right. So uh, let, me, uh, let me pray for us, and we'll jump in. These, these first chapters, there's just so much going on here. Uh, let me pray. Father, we need your help. God, we, we ask that you would speak uh, from these words written so long ago um, about events that happened so long ago. God, would you speak to us, help us to know how we um, relate to your story, and God, how Jesus continues um, to rescue us in the midst of our brokenness. We need you, Lord Jesus, in Christ's name, amen. All right, well, it is uh, finally starting to feel like spring, Finally. Right? Anybody else like give up at, at some point? Like I, I, thought for sure like winter was never, never going to end. I mean, it was just on and on and on, and it was, it was kind of, it was a, a little bit of a rough one. Maybe I'm a sissy. I don't know. Um, but it was, it was awfully nasty this winter. You can almost now with spring though, you can almost like feel the planet coming back to life, and I kind of almost like feel myself coming back to life. I mean, what a, what a glorious world that God made. In fact, we got a, a little taste of this. Uh, over spring break, the last couple weeks, uh, we uh, took our annual road trip to visit Kelly's family. Uh, it's an 18-hour drive each way, but at least when we get there, we're 20 minutes from the beach. So you know, there's that. It's Florida. So I mean, we we saw you know everything was green and there you know flowers and birds and warmth and sunshine and I mean, what a, what a glorious world. And then and then on the, the drive back, we spent two days playing in the, the great Smoky Mountains National Park, and the, the waterfalls, and the mountains. Um, it just even smelled alive. What a glorious world. And if you've been with us these, these past three weeks, as we started this series in Genesis, right, and we've been looking at these, this is the first book of the Bible, it's the, the foundations upon which everything lands, Hopefully, like as we've looked at this, you can also say with me, not just not just experientially, but even theologically, wow, what a glorious world. In the beginning, God. And as we've said, like that, that changes everything. And his his fingerprints are everywhere. His creation is beautiful, glorious. Filled with delight. And even as we looked at last week, we, us, you and me, like God tells us of everything he made, we're his favorite. That we're the best thing that he made. We are made in his image to be like him and we are glorious and beautiful. God made an amazing world. Now, if you were God now in this moment let's just play that for a moment some of you play this game a lot right um don't overthink it but let's just say for a second you let's say you're god and you just you just did all that and it's perfect i mean this is still before genesis chapter 3 nothing has fallen apart there's no sin it is perfect you did it what what would be the things that you would want to say to the humans you just made like what what would be your first instructions for them? Kids would be like the Lego movie, right? Don't touch it. Like hands off. Don't don't break it. Like in fact, like if, if it were me I'd be like, you know, on second, let's just make a little cage for the humans. We'll put them over here where they can they can't ruin everything, right? That's that's what I would do if I'm honest. But what what does our God say? That's the question. We have to answer this morning. So if you do have a Bible, turn, if you haven't already, turn to Genesis 1 and 2 or on the Bible app as well. And before we get to this big question of what what does God, what are his first commands, his first instructions for us, before we get there uh, to our role in the created world, first we, we have got to see, and this is what we've been talking about these last three weeks, okay? We've got to see and remember that God is the first worker and he's good at it. Like, that, that's where it has to begin for us. Before we talk about our own responsibility here, God is the first worker, and he is, he's good at it. And you've got to begin there for us to be able to understand the commands that he, that he gives us. Okay, so again, look, look at verse 31, still in chapter 1. And God saw everything that he made, and behold. Behold is like an old way of saying, wow, look at that. Behold, it was very good. I mean, it's sort of it's sort of like us when when we've made something we're proud of, right? Like you want you want people to recognize it, to see it, to appreciate it, to, to feel it. And so so God, like he steps back to admire the work that he's just done. It's like, wow, that's not bad. Like, seriously, that is really, really good, right? I mean, he's just sort of admiring it himself. And 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 then in in chapter two, okay, we're gonna kind of skip ahead a little bit. We'll go back to that first section of of Chapter 2 next week, when God rests, because that's an interesting concept. We'll talk about that next week. But in in chapter 2 then, as the verses continue, the author like zeroes in on the specifics of this garden that God made. He names it, the garden, he names it Delight. Eden. The garden of God, it's called. Look look at chapter 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. I love that image, right, of God doing the planting. Planted a garden, Eden, in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Like, don't even just miss that little tidbit there. This is not purely utilitarian world that God made. Not just fuel, right? The bare essentials. No, they, it's good and beautiful, right? It's delicious and it's good to look at. And then, and then 10 through 14, you can kind of just scan those in, in, your, in your Bible. We're not going to read all of them. It kind of goes into like all the, the rivers that are surrounding there, kind of the boundaries of this, this land. It talks about different precious metals and stones that are there. And you might read that like, well, why, like, why is that in there? Well, most, most scholars point out that what, what is happening here, like, this is like a, a parallel or a future precursor or past precursor of the future temple or tabernacle, essentially. Like, remember, th- these words are originally written to, to God's people as they leave Egypt and head to Canaan. They're going to soon build a tabernacle, build a temple, and the garden is like, it's the first place. Like, it's, it's the first temple to God. God. And, and the way it's described sort of outlines this, this precursor for the temple that would be, right? So, so this, this place, this garden, yes, it's a place of beauty. It's a place of goodness. Its name is delight. But as a temple, it is also a place of worship. A place of glory. That it is fit for the very presence of God. God is the first worker, and he's really good at it. And then he places us in, into this, this garden. And even, even though the world is now broken, right, we, we know that. Spoiler alert, in case you, if you didn't know that. Genesis 3, we're going to get there eventually, right? But even though it's broken now, this, this garden is still the home that we long for. This, this temple this original dwelling place with God and humans together, like, that's our home. And I think in many ways we, we know that. One of my favorite books recently, um, it's called The Nature Fix. The subtitle is Why Nature Makes Us Happier, Healthier, and More Creative. I know, don't roll your eyes. Um, but, like, what I love about it, like, from her point of view, I, so, let me back up. So, Like, the author here, she interacts with all the, like, recent neurological studies that show how, like, restorative nature is to our brains. Like, science says right now that it's really good for you to be outside. And we could all do with a little bit more of it. Okay, so that's kind of the the premise of of the book. But from her point of view, nature is good for us because we evolved outside. From her worldview, that makes a lot of sense, except I, I mean, I disagree. I think she's close, like, it's good for us because we were made for a garden. But this, this is our home, and we, we long to go back to our home. I wish I could go into this more. I'm not going to here. I'll spare you. Um, we don't have time at this, at this point. But to go along with our Genesis series, we've uh, put together a series of blogs on our website. Um, four parts. The last one just came out last week. It's 10 Reasons Nature's Good for Your Soul. The writing is phenomenal, Okay? <laughs> I mean, wow. <laughs> and the kids are adorable. it just got tons of pictures. Well, look it up. I mean, if this is an area, we're not, we're not going to unpack it today. But, like, if you want to find out more about this, follow that, that series, I'd invite you to do that. But, but, again, like, God made all this. He made it perfect. And so what would you do now if you were God? I mean, yeah, I'd want people to, you know, do one of those, right? I want, I'd want to be admired for it, maybe even be thanked because of it. So help me if you touch it, right? I mean, a couple couple weeks ago, for example, I'm letting you way into my own psyche here. Um, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that we're redoing our uh, our kitchen, right? Uh, and we're doing a lot of the work ourselves. So this is my own personal hell right now, um, essentially. Uh, and you know, one of the things I've discovered is like when I use something as a like a sermon illustration. Um, like, all of you become my boss in this moment. Like, everybody's asking, like, how's it going? He's like, I don't report to you. I don't know. It's fine. Like, it's, I, you mean well. I get it. Okay, it's my fault. Um, but let me, so let me give you a little, a little update. Okay, so a, a month ago, I showed this picture right here. Okay. Not great at that point. Um, and then last night, I took this picture. Last night before bed. Huh? huh? Ooh. No, come on. No, 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 no. Because listen, listen. It has made me a mess, this kitchen. And, and not, like, I, I am so paranoid now. Like, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Like, I am terrified. Anytime somebody walks in there, I'm like, don't lean on that cabinet, right? right kids, don't scuff the floor. Or the kids, they come up and they're like, Dad, can I, can I help with this next part? And I'm like, no, right? I mean, I'm not, I, th- I think we have to move, actually. Um, <laughs> or, or at the very least, Kelly and the kids, they've got to go, because it's... I just, I can't, I can't handle it. And I know, like, some of you are judging me right now, but you're the same way, right, kids? If you're building something out of Legos, do you really want your little brother's help? No! Like, if you're cooking, like, and your spouse or roommate walks in, and they're like, ooh, let's throw in a little bit of this, you're like, excuse me, right? No, I mean, it's not, that's not how we do it. We, we, we have ownership in our work, and this is where God and I are a little bit different, Okay. I mean, there are other reasons we could go into, <laughs> but this is one of them. And friends, like, this, this is the main thing I want us to grab onto this morning. I mean, this, this is the answer to our big question. Please don't miss this. Our God looks at his good and glorious creation and says, so help me if you touch it. Don't break it. no. God looks at his creation and says, Join me. Join me. Meaning, God essentially says, Here are the Legos I started building. Let's see what you can make. Here are all the ingredients. I've gotten started. Why don't you see how you can make it taste? Here, here's the canvas that I've been painting on. I've left a few paints on the table for you. Why don't you have a go at it? God says, our God, the one who made us, who knows us, he says, join me in making my world flourish. Like, Let that sink in for a moment. I mean, all that God made mountains, trees, oceans, dogs, bears, llamas, humans, a temple for himself, a place of flourishing for all. And he invites us to join him in his work. I mean, for you, you and I, we talked about this last week. You and I were made to be like him, aren't we? We're made in his image, and that means that we're made to be creative, fruitful, productive. Like our, our work. I mean, we've talked about this a lot as a church, right? Our work, whether whatever you do, paid or unpaid, like, however you contribute to this world is a joint effort between you and God to make our world flourish. Like, did you, did you hear what I just said? The work that you do, whatever it is, however you contribute to this world, paid or unpaid, whatever that looks like for you, it is a joint effort between you and our God to make our world flourish. And so church, when... When we work, whatever it is, like if you make things of value, you add a, or you add a service or something that makes life better or creates flourishing for yourself or others, we join God at work in his world. And it's our, it's our first job description as humans to do this. I mean, if you don't, if you don't believe me, look at, go back to, to chapter one at the end there, 28 through 30, okay? Listen to what, what it says. Chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, okay, the humans, us, which is kind of a cool thing, right? God blesses us. And he said to, to them, to us, he said, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it, and it was so. Like this incredible, this incredible gift to us, everything God made here you go. And then in 2.15, the end of our section this morning, this incredible summary statement, right, of our of our first job description as humans, 2.15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. To work it and keep it. Now, there's a, there's a lot happening here, so let me... Let me try to summarize our job description. Like our, our first job as humans, right? Our, our original job description. Let me, let me try to summarize with two primary images. Because what God is saying here, with, with a lot going on, but what, he, what, he's really try, what he's saying is, like, join me in making my world flourish in two ways. As a ruler and as a gardener. Like, those are the two primary images, right? Strange, isn't it? As a ruler and as a gardener. Let's, let's look at these. First, he says, join me as a ruler. That your job, my job, our job description is to rule, to have dominion. As Reed said last week, we're kings and queens, every one of us, made in God's image, to rule. But there's a, there's a tension here, Right? it's clear in the text that there's a tension. On the one hand, we subdue the earth. On the other, we keep it, right, preserve it, protect it. And so the idea here is that this this rule is not one of exploitation or abuse in which we have sole ownership and zero accountability. No, that's not what's going on here. Our role, our rule is as stewards. And a steward is somebody who has authority, right? They have a real responsibility and yet they're not the one ultimately in charge, right? Ultimately in, in control. It's sort of like like house sitting. Remember doing a lot of this in college. Anybody else? Probably you've been there, right? Uh, my aunt, and uncle. I went to school in Chicago, and my aunt, and uncle had a, a beautiful home in Wrigleyville. I mean, just like unbelievably beautiful, big screen TV, king size bed, like nobody to bother me. Sure beats dorm living, okay? Um, and, and when they you know leave, I would get the keys and just I could do whatever I wanted. Like it was. It was beautiful. Anything I wanted to do, I mean, as long as it, you know, fit within their purposes and intentions, right? Like, it wasn't, it was, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't do anything I wanted to do, but I could, anything that they had, as long as I used it within the purposes and intentions of those things, I mean, I could use the blender, but I, I probably couldn't use it to make gravel out of cement, right? It's not, it's not what it was designed for. Like, we know that, right? As long as we do it within the, the owner's intention, the same as with, with this planet. All that belongs to God, everything. And one day he's going to come back and make his home here with us. And so he gave us all of these raw materials, and he expects us to use them according to their intended purposes, which isn't just consumption, even though we're really good at that, or waste. But their intended purpose is flourishing, right? And not just my flourishing or my people's flourishing, but the flourishing of every human he made and everything else in the created world, right? Because all of it is his. Jay Richard writes, God intends for us to use and transform the natural world around us for good purposes. Proper use is not misuse. But as fallen creatures, we can mess things up. A little bit of an understatement, I think, right? And so it's good to, to build houses and plant crops and use God's gifts responsibly and sustainably. It's not good to use them simply to our own ends in ways that are harmful to the flourishing of others, or the long-term flourishing of our world. As rulers, we have responsibilities, ultimately to God, and, but also to others. And so again, we're kings and queens, every one of us, but we're not the king, right? We're accountable to someone higher to ourselves and yet, even so, God invites you to rule alongside him to create flourishing for his world. And isn't that incredible? Now, let me, let me even just ask, like, does your little kingdom bring flourishing? Like your little kingdom... I mean, that's what it means, right? To have dominion, to, to be made in God's image. You have a little, a little kingdom, right? Your home, your, your workplace, your hobbies, your school, the relationships that you form, the places you go, the people you encounter with, the things that you do, like all of that, like that is your mini kingdom. And are you, are you using those things to bring flourishing? Sort of like the park's slogan, right? Leave it better than you found it. And so even, like, if you're married, like, is your spouse a better person because of you? Like, is she healthier and happier or, he, or him, right? At work, like, are your coworkers better humans for having been with you? Like, are you creating that flourishing around you or, or at school with the kids that you interact with? And, and the, the actual work you do, the ways that you contribute, the products you make at work or the services you render do they actually bring flourishing to our world? Because if if so, you are co-workers with God, co-rulers with him, and he invites you to join him in making his world flourish. And he also invites us to join him as gardeners. It's such weird contrasting images, right? You've got the the ruler, like the king, the queen on the one hand, and you've got the person who's going to get their hands dirty on the other. And I know know this is silly, um, but there are times, like truly, I'm not making this up, when I'm doing yard work. You know, my hands are dirty, sweat is coming down, my back, you know, aches just a little bit. And I just, I stop and I remind myself, like this, this was our first job as humans. These are the first things that God told us his creation to do. And even even that command there, be fruitful and multiply, right? Uh, Yes, it's about having babies, okay? Probably realize that. But it's not only about having babies. In fact, that word fruitfulness is the same word that's used in other places as productive. Like, be fruitful, be productive, and, and uh, frankly, in the ancient world, like part of having kids and, was because you needed the help in your, in your vocation, in your ability to be productive, right? And, and so God here, in the, in this, like he gives, gives us plants and seeds and fruit and animals. And it's, again, it's just, here you go. And again, let me read 2.15. He says that God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the word there for, for work it, it can also be trans- translated as cultivate. So essentially, like, work it and make it better. Again, think about that. Like, does that shock anybody else? Like, the God who made the solar system? Who dreamed up redwoods and glaciers? Who designed the human eye? He finishes his work. He looks at his world, his temple and invites us to make it better. I mean, I won't even let my kids help in the kitchen, right? Now, this, is, this is like Van Gogh letting me finish up his masterpiece. It's like Dickens calling me into the room and saying, you know, why don't you write a couple chapters of Tale of Two Cities for me? It's like Patrick Mahomes inviting me onto the field to have a try, right? Except this is God. Hey, humans, look what I made. Now let's see what you can do. Because think of it it this way. Like, God doesn't give Adam and Eve a food court in the garden. No. Or a prefab home. Instead, he gives them the ingredients they need to create that flourishing, to enjoy life as as God designed it. Everything that we need. And with it, I mean, with God's raw materials, like, We invented Chipotle, right? And in in and out, right? I mean, we did that. We made penicillin in the iPhone. We built houses and civilizations. And yes, because of the fall, we use it terribly and we'll get there. Like I promise, chapter three is coming in this story and we're a mess because of it. But we have to first like step back, sit and marvel at what God has empowered us to do. I mean, think about the grace of this invitation. The joy that it is. That we get to join him in his work i love how andy crouch summarizes this um, he basically says like god made wheat i couldn't make wheat all right there's no way and wheat is good but bread bread is very good right bread is better it's better than wheat right or, or god made grapes i can't make grapes i wouldn't even know where to begin god did that grapes are good but wine is very good God made trees. We, we build houses, right? Like God, God makes the masterpiece of all masterpieces. And he intentionally leaves some of the best parts for us. It's sort of like letting your kid put in the last piece of the puzzle, right? And he does that for you and me. And so is, is it any wonder that the word for work here is the same word for worship? It is, in the Hebrew, it can be translated either way, work and worship. It's the same word. This is the temple, after all. And our work today, if it's this kind of work, joining God and making our world flourish, if that's our work, it is worship. Nancy Piercy writes, Our vocation is not something we do for God which would put the burden on us to perform and achieve. Instead, it is a way we participate in God's work. For God himself is engaged not only in the work of salvation, but also in the work of preserving and maintaining his creation. And so let me just ask, do you see your work as an opportunity to to join God? Is that how you view the things that you do? you imagine yourself as a kind of gardener? Taking God's raw materials, cultivating them, and making his world a better place. Like, for example, if you're a parent or grandparent or have ever seen a child before, are you cultivating the next generation? And kids, I know sometimes school stinks, right? But you are tilling the soil, cultivating your minds for fruitfulness. And maybe you're thinking, well, yeah, but I'm just stuck in some office or job site, right? But can you not cultivate that place to make it better? Or even even just think about the broader work your work does. Are you making the world a better place through the products you make, the services you render, the jobs you create? How are you taking the raw materials of this world to make it better? It's our first instructions. And God invites us to join him. And, And church, I love this. I mean, this, this means we're not alone in any of it. Like, if it's all God's work, like, to his ends, then we get to join him in it, and he joins us. And so, parents, you're not alone in your parenting. Kids, you're not alone at school or at the job site or the places that you, you volunteer. Like, God is with you in those places because it's his work, because it's his world. And yeah, we're going to screw it up. It's going to get ugly, right? We're going to talk about that. You know it, and I know it. And yet, even so, God is with us. Even so, he invites us into his path of redeeming our world. For he himself has come. And Jesus did the work of a carpenter and the work of a savior. Because he's not going to give up on us and he even sends his spirit to us his people to empower us to enable us to live this out and he longs to redeem us and all that is broken to make us flourish once more and to invite us into to bringing that flourishing to every place that we touch for you and I that we get to join him in that work of remaking the world today and even while we wait he's given us this physical symbol of his unending presence This subtle promise that he is with us at work alongside us. And it's not a kernel of wheat or grape. Things that God made. It's bread and wine. Simple things, everyday kinds of things, particularly in that culture that we made, that he chose to represent his body and blood. From the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. And similarly, he took the cup and he poured it out and said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Like This is him enacting that redemption and restoration to us individually, collectively, and to our world, which Paul says in Romans, our world groans for this kind of redemption. And together, we proclaim his death until he comes. And so we're gonna come to this table together. We're gonna feast on a God who has given us purpose, who has come near to us, who still comes near to us through his spirit and who promises to come again, that this little tiny meal is a taste of Eden, of delight, and all who are his may come. If you're new here, let me kind of quickly explain how we do this. We have stations all across this room. Um, Whenever you're ready, make your way to one of those spots. We'll gather you in groups of five or six because it's a family meal. It's something we celebrate together. Uh, You'll take the bread, dip it in the cup, And when everyone around your little group has has done so, eat together, taste this delight. And before we do that, let me just pray for us, and then we'll come. Let me pray. Father, what a good world you made. And yes, it's broken now, we know that, and God, we lean so heavily on your son, our only hope in the brokenness. And yet, God, I pray that all of us here would be struck by the immensity of what you've called us into. That you've invited us to join you in your work of making this world flourish. God, I pray that we would do that in ways that are creative, that are honoring to you, bring glory to your name and true goodness to the humans around us. What an incredible gift you've given us. Forgive us for our failures. And now as we come to your table, Lord Jesus, would you remind us that you join us in these things? That you've empowered us by your spirit. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen.